podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, here we are once again, uh, just before Damien and I uh, have a quick look back on uh, the Davis Cup uh, for one last time. I'm just going to play 30 seconds of stuff. Actually, let's uh, just rewind on that just so you get a bit of a vibe, ladies and gentlemen. I think we've only got one view of right now anyway, but let's go for this. Let's see how it goes. Ready? Here we go. We see the Italian team coming in in a very uh, sprightly manner and including Damien, our good friend at the end, Bellelli. I think we're going to have to get some Apple boys out. Anyway, just thought I'd give everyone a bit of a flavour of uh, what's to come. I will actually, for those of you that are keen to know exactly what the Italian team said, the video has already been uploaded to YouTube, so it's out there for you to check out. But do check it out at the end of the show rather than now, because Damien and I are about to give our thoughts. We'll probably work from Italy back, uh, I think, Damien, uh, as long as your eyes can stay open. Mine have to stay open because I have no bed tonight. I am at Malaga Airport awaiting a plane but the problem is the plane is not for another eight hours oh uh, damien yeah you're gonna sleep. A... you're gonna sleep at some point there's no yeah way. oh yeah there's oh of course i am yeah i mean i'm not um i'm not uh yeah i i, I have to sleep but i, I don't worry I, i'll be fine but it was in that kind of no man's land area of a 9 a.m flight if it's a 6 a.m flight for me it's a kind of no-brainer you just um you just, you know, just go to the airport when your day is done and it's no big deal. But 9 a.m. is sort of, yeah. Yeah. You know. I but there we go. I've got two very warm beers and I'm hoping that they can see me through. They're very small. They're like 200 centiliters, uh, 20 centiliters, sorry, uh, 200 milliliters. I'm hoping that they can see me through this episode. Probably through this episode, yes. Through the night, we'll see. I mean, I think <laughs> no. I once told you how I almost... Um, fell asleep at the airport and missed my plane at like 8 a.m so yeah i i know the drill <laughs> to quote to paraphrase our yeah 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 so i said we'll we'll start with italy and work our way back um i mean we began the tournament uh with a show about five or six days ago where we were just like 
there's no clear favorite. Everyone could win. Um, you know, maybe Finland was sort of the outsiders. They had a bit of a romantic run, but once they can get as far as the doubles, they've got they've got half a chance and they proved that against Canada. You know, I remember looking at the Australian team just after they arrived and thought, this is a pretty consistent, decent bunch that really they can all interchange with each other, with the exception of probably Di Menor, which is the standout player. And then you had a sort of Italy-Serbia thing, which maybe a week ago felt a bit lopsided, but now, a week later, we can look at the performances of Ketsmanovic and Sonigo in the doubles and, and Arnaldi as well in the, in the singles and say, well, maybe they weren't quite as lopsided as we thought. But there is one player that stood out above all others, and it, it was Yannick Sinner, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, 5-0, and zero, three singles rubbers, a historic win over Djokovic. Nothing we haven't seen before, but it just adds to this ridiculous post puke <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah. as Vansh calls it but yeah just adds to this ridiculous uh, version of Sinner that we've seen since Beijing since um, yeah basically since Beijing I would I would say of course there's been losses since I mean he lost in the Shanghai final uh, fourth round to Ben Shelton right he uh, lost to Djokovic in the ATP finals final these, these are the only two actually because he also mm -hmm. withdrew from, from Paris after that 3am finish but yeah, uh, the, the serve, especially how much he's getting for free and uh, how comfortable he is in the forecourt. Uh, these are the improvements that he's made. I really wish he actually like shows them in best of five set play now. I'm not blaming him for not doing that this year properly because, as I said, like Beijing is really where it started for me. So that's all fine. It uh, just adds another layer to this ridiculous end of the year that he has. Uh, to, today, with on the watch along of Sinner Demir, we were chatting about with Vansh about Sinner being second in the ELO rankings. And um, yeah, I think that's spot on. I mean, he's clearly above Alcaraz and Medvedev in terms of like current form at the moment. I still wouldn't put him above Djokovic despite beating him two out of three times. But, you know, number two player in the world over the past two months, 100% at least even, I'm going to say, at least the number two. And yeah, what he did in the Davis Cup finals, um, as you said, Arnaldi and uh, Sonego definitely deserve praise. But over, like, you know, let's say in a couple of years, no one is going to remember that. Everyone's just going to remember Yannick Sinner going 5-0. and zero. And yes, scoring that win over Djokovic, which uh, provided that Djokovic doesn't lose like 10, 10 more times from match point up in the next two years. <laughs> I don't think he will. It's going to be remembered and it's going to be mentioned as like a curious stat plenty of times. So... Yeah, absolutely ridiculous showing. And even in doubles where he was a little clumsy yeah. because that's sort of volleying, um, you know, just the difference between the, between the doubles volleying, more block-ish, more, uh, you know, less motion. Um, reaction. Um, yeah. Yeah, more, 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 more about the reaction, more about the reflex and like covering the net. Obviously, he's not great at these things, but still the quality of his baseline game, the quality of his return. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. And also when when he's got that doubles court to play with, I almost feel he's even more confident with hitting that forehand as hard as he can because he's got a bit more <laughs> bit more space to work with. I mean, he hit a couple down the middle yesterday um, that obviously caught Ketsmanovic and Djokovic out. Um, it, what, it did have a sort of feeling as though those two players maybe weren't as uh, you know familiar with each other or, or the doubles game just on, on one particular point where they weren't quite sure whether to go for it. But, you know... I remember two or three forehands in the last 48 hours 
in the singles and the doubles that were just like, wow, how did he hit that so hard and and yet keep the ball in play? Um, there was something else. Oh yes, um, this this sinner this sinner match with Djokovic. Where where does it rank in maybe? Sort of, how do we compare it to the the Sinner Djokovic match that they had in Turin, uh, sort of ten days ago? I mean, the 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 three setter that they had in the round robin. I think that that three setter was better, you know, as a whole. Round more, robin Turin, yeah, yeah, more excitement, more drama. Well, maybe not drama in terms of you know there were a lot of easy holds because it's Turin, but still I think uh, as a whole the fact that the players were sort of peaking at the same time for the most part, yeah. it definitely belongs up there as one of the best matches of the season. The final of the ATP finals, well, it was a phenomenal performance, but it doesn't because it was too lopsided. This mm-hmm. one here, you know, maybe like a back end of the top 10 of the season, maybe. Um, I don't know. I would have to like try to list, you know, whatever matches that we had. Um, I'm not really sure, but uh, I don't think it really had the, um, yeah, the overall excitement of the ATP finals from Robin stage. Certainly the first two sets, you know, Sinner starts ridiculous. Djokovic manages to claw his way back with a similarly one-sided set. Uh, but of course, the, the the last few games certainly added to it. Were they extremely high in quality? Eh, I guess I guess they were okay. But uh, still, you know, it's Sinner Djokovic is the best two players in the world right now. I mean, what's there mm. not to not to enjoy, right? The third set, I think, was kind of maybe similar-ish in terms of level to what we saw across most of three sets in Turin. I just felt that the first set, Djokovic didn't really get anywhere close to top gear. And as a result, he he got broken twice and he lost that set. I don't really know quite where he was at physically. Only To be honest, I hadn't thought about it a huge amount because I think sometimes the casual observer, we automatically go towards physical issues. But actually, I hadn't given it a great deal of stock until Novak mentioned it in his breath. Well, he was asked it and he said he didn't want to dwell on that point. In other words... Yeah, he probably was feeling the effects of a of a lengthy stretch because what Novak does now, and I and I ex- I expect even younger players to do this, is they just do bursts of six weeks. They probably look at their season and go, right, this is a six weeks block, and we'll we'll focus on that, and then we'll have a few weeks. Novak actually, like he played Paris, he played ATP Finals, and he played Davis Cup, right? Yeah, so it may, but it, it's probably five weeks then, but it's still. You know, there's when there's probably a, a few like days. Three out of four, let's say. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But I mean, but there's also probably a few days before Paris where it's like a, a five week block of mm. let's build up to Paris, let's play Paris as a sort of, you know, if we get to the final, if we win it, but the ATP Tour finals and Davis Cup is where we want to peak. And he did peak, I, I guess, in the, the, the semi finals and final in Turin. And it was like, let's see if we can just go out, you know drag a bit more juice out of this that we possibly can but but i do see that with since covid and it's partly because of his age partly because of certain restrictions on where he could travel to and and partly because when he wants to peak you know he's not playing canada and we may never see him play canada again because he sees cincinnati as a perfect build-up to the us open and that's where he'll peak and and so on he'll probably also have then a few weeks off in here i mean we remember last year when he had that enforced layoff if you like post wimbledon 
Um, and then we saw him again have an incredible run from September post uh, Wimbledon, basically. Uh, sorry, post US Open until the ATP Tour Finals. This year, of course, his season was extended by two weeks in a way, by or by sorry, by a week, I should say. Um, but I expect some of the younger guys to do that. I expect Alcaraz and, and maybe even Sinner to try and pace there. I don't think they'll be playing all the Masters events every you know year in year out. Well, I mean, there are the ranking, you know, exceptions that you need to have in order to, like, not have zeros in your rankings. You know, one is if you're over 30. What else is there? Like a slam jump I mean, or something? I mean, I know Stefanos touched on this early on in the season, but listen, if Carlos doesn't want to play Rome, he doesn't play Rome. <laughs> I mean, Same yeah, of course. I mean, you can always say you're injured. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a luxury for sure to only be able to play 10, 12 events because, well, if you don't do well, then you're in trouble. But Djokovic just, I mean, he wins almost all of them. <laughs> so he yeah. is able to keep pulling this off because, I mean, he's, his ranking is still good enough. Obviously, he is the world number one. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get into the final itself. Uh, 2 0, they won both the singles matches. The decision to choose Arnaldi was justified, I guess. To me, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he played very well on Thursday. I don't care that he didn't win a match. He did Agreed. choke up, but, you know, he did play well. I think if, if they went Sonego, it's also fine. Musetti, after the match against Ketsmanovic, sort of fell from that freeway tie that we had at the beginning yeah. of the event, I think, because, mm -hmm. you know, on Thursday against the Netherlands, Sonego, Musetti, Arnaldi, there was no wrong choice there, really. And, uh, yeah, then, then of course, Musetti kind of eliminated himself. And I, I, of course, in hindsight, you know, I'm very glad that for Arnaldi that they chose him again because he was able to, um, yeah, just overcome that previous loss and actually win a close match this time. Whereas if it was Sonego, you know, well, I guess Sonego still got his share of nice moments this day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess probably looking at the group, I mean, I know, you know, there was one player, the doubles, you know, Bolelli didn't play at all. But um, maybe Musetti was the sort of the one of the group that I was looking at thinking, well, I guess you played once and you lost and. And, and here we are. He was sort of the Jordan Thompson of the Italian team, if you like. If there was the Australia, yeah. I'm if, 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 sorry, yeah. But if Australia were going to go on, to, oh no, sorry, yeah, yeah. Never, sorry, yeah. it's one a.m. It's one a.m. Sorry, yeah. yeah, no worries. So, yeah, um, I, I always wonder what it must feel like if you, you know, if you don't pay a huge part, or if you do to some extent, but you end up losing your singles match. Whereas Sonigo, of course, had his doubles match last night, which was, you know instrumental i guess in in helping them win i guess there's also several other matches throughout the year that have also got to be taken into account and you can you can talk about those as being important to to end up going on to lift the title um anyway but let's just sort of hone in on the two matches i mean the popperin match from popperin arnaldi match i should say but i'm calling it the popperin match because it was just i don't know i mean it was there for popperin Sort of. I mean, Arnaldi was pretty clutch on these eight breakpoints or whatever many there were in the in yeah. the third set. But was it like fully there? You know, most of these were just saved with like sharp attacking play, good first serves from Arnaldi. Um, I think there was a stream somewhere 
somewhere in the middle of the week when I was already talking about this, that, you know, whatever issues Arnaldi used to have on hard or indoor hard, you know, they're gone, basically. I mean, he has this great first serve now, lots of power in the forehand. And that's not new as well. I mean, next-gen finals last year, even even there, he was already like that. So, or like um, Saint-Tropez or whatever that final was that he played against Bellucci last year in like September. So basically, you know, I'm not surprised that he did that well. I think the Australia-Italy number two clash was always going to be a 50-50. And that's why I said earlier today that there's not that much to regret in terms of, you know, Popperin. Of course, you're going to have regrets because you, you get that and you're ensuring the doubles, right? But mm. as a whole, I just never really thought this match was, was anything but a 50-50, uh, was anything but a 50-50. And that really goes for regardless like of the choices that the teams would make, right? You throw in Jordan Thompson there, you throw in Lorenzo Sonego, and this is still a 50-50. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. All of these combinations, literally. So, um, Didn't Arnaldi and... Um... Popperin play each other a few weeks ago and Popperin won yeah. 6 in the third. Yeah, they've played each other like three times this year and I think it's now 2-1 Arnaldi. 2-1 to Arnaldi, yeah. And one I think the most recent... In China? Okay, China, yeah. I'm guessing. The, but, the most yeah. recent one was 6-4, I think, to Popperin in the third. And of course... On no, this it's actually 6-4 to Arnaldi in Shanghai. And oh, okay. before that they played... Oh, Umak semi, yeah, of course. So Popperin won on clay in Umak, yeah. Okay, so it's it's two and one, but the most recent ones have both finished the same way, and that they were both six four yeah. two, Arnaldi in the third. But yeah, I mean today was a bit of a random one. Um, I, but I still, I don't know. I, I I felt, and maybe it's because also the way the two players spoke afterwards. One was obviously glum because they had sixteen breakpoint opportunities and took three, and a lot of those half of those uh, breakpoint opportunities came in the final set, um, and. I think they didn't take any of those. I don't think Popperin took any of those breakpoint opportunities in the final set. He was never up a break, but it was there for him. Plus, he ran away with the second set um, in you know pretty blistering fashion. And the first set was anyone's. It really could have gone either way. I mean, I think one was, I think Analdi broke first and then Popperin broke back. And then they there may have been one or two more breaks. It was just carnage in a way, that first set. And it just ended up that, that, that Arnaldi sort of broke at the most opportune moment, takes the set. But yes, yeah, that's how I, I saw the match anyway, that I did see it as being, you know, I I, I think he, he may have got a bit nervous popper in. I think he, he started a bit nervously in, in the way he got broken early on, but also even just his first couple of points of the match, or his first point of the match, I remember, was, uh, was a bit wild. And then the final game of the entire match gets to 30 all, um, on his serve popper in, and he puts a forehand long, and then I think he's a bit timid as well on match point. And, and yeah, he um, approached, and it was like undercooked, and, and uh, he, he just yeah, yeah undercooked exactly. Yeah, but the what the, the thirty all point, um, he does net cite cord? the fact that, it took it hit a net cord. Yeah. He said it hit <laughs> hit a frame or something from Arnaldi. I don't remember it sort of being a frame one. Maybe it wasn't the cleanest of strikes from Arnaldi and it hit the net cord, but still he should put that forehand away and, and, and doesn't. And and that was that. That was that was almost the tie because I mean I didn't think it would be as lopsided as it turned out. I could even have seen a you know a three setter between Sinner and and um, Dimonor. The only thing I thought that might end up playing a factor if it did go to three sets was that maybe 
this 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 five set conundrum that we see with with Sinner every second day at a slam. Maybe we might see it in another form by playing seven eight sets over two days, if that makes sense. Um, but in the end, it it never even was close between Sinner and Musetti. Uh, sorry, Sinner and um, <laughs> Sinner and uh, Demonor. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought so too that maybe the physical, mental tiredness will come into play at some point. You know, there was this, what was it, like 3 4 in the opener? Yeah. I mean, there was a yeah. break point. Yeah. And actually, yeah. he never won a game after that, which is just yeah. brutal. Because I, I know he's lost to Sinner many, many times, but this was the worst of them all. And um, yeah, this is this is a point where you're like, how is he going to beat this guy again? Because all of the things that Sinner have been working towards, um, they actually also fit the demeanor matchup really well. I mean, if he's just able to close down the net, if he's able to um, keep serving very well, because like literally anytime Alex would have any semblance of a shot in his in a return game, you know, it was just another big serve from Sinner. So how do you beat that guy if you're Alex Deminor? And I, I still don't have an answer to that. I mean, you kind of got to hope he's going to have a very poor day at the office. Obviously, it didn't happen. And then, you know, in a way, that also makes the Sinner performance just maybe even more impressive that he comes out today after yesterday and after such an emotional high and he's just in business mode and, yeah, just never gives Deminor any chance to compete, you know, to, to do what he does best. It's funny you say that you don't really know how Diminor can, you know, win this match, if you like. Uh, it was basically the question I asked um, both him and Leighton Hewitt. And I still don't know what the plan. And that's not a, a criticism of Leighton or or, or Alex. Uh, I think I saw Alec, uh, Alex go to the net a bit more often. I don't know if that's if there's a stat that backs that up, but it seemed to be be the case. But that sort of seemed to work out okay because he was pretty adept at the net at the beginning of the match. But um, yeah, I'm still not quite sure what the plan was for Alex to try and beat Sinner. But maybe the best plan in the world still wasn't going to stop Yannick um, playing the way he has, you know, since he vomited in that bin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no clue what the plan was either. Um, obviously, Alex Deminor is very good at the net, and like that's a that's a part of his game that I think people often don't talk about. But how do you even get there? I mean, you can capitalize on the opportunities that you're presented with, but to actually get those opportunities, to get these shorter balls, you would have to start putting any pressure on Sinner. And I guess he never really tried, you know, to be maybe even overly aggressive for a moment even just i don't know try to blast every ball try to do something different but at the same time it's just really not his game and you're probably not gonna experience much success if you just you know you're not gonna sustain that sort of hitting if that's not your game you're not gonna out sinner sinner if you're alex deminor so i really have no clue what he should have done and uh yeah i i honestly you know at the end of the match when he had these two game points i think to just get a game on the board in the second yeah. set i was like oh come on okay alex great get this game i mean just leave the court with something positive yeah. and then he gets bageled Sinner just again is rampant in the next few <laughs> points yeah i think he Rough. saved one match point um before it ended up you know going going the way of Sinner in, in, with a bagel but uh yeah, uh, Italy, of course, winning their first Davis Cup in 47 years. I think they were last in a final in 98 and they won it in 76. So I think the 98 one was a loss to Sweden. And by the way, this is 
not stuff that was ever in my brain until today. It's stuff that's been sort of fed into me. I'm only nodding channels. because I was uh, reading out all of their um, Davis Cup finals during the stream today, yeah, and yeah. I was like really going, you know, in depth. I think into I think the them, Sweden so. loss was it Magnus Norman maybe was on the t is yeah. it Magnus Norman the, who's now the coach of course of of Stan Wawrinka yeah. uh, for the second. He won time. the first tie with a retirement at six all in the fifth. So a pretty crazy oh. story. That is crazy. But of course, it and wouldn't be a tiebreak, right? It would be two games. Um, okay, yeah. so 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 it would just keep going. Yeah. I wonder if, um, if it was a tiebreak, whether the guy that was injured might have just gone, you know, let's try and play out the tiebreak and see where we're at. <laughs> um, Maybe. But yeah, there we go. Okay, uh, back in the five sets. Uh, Leighton Hewitt, by the way, still yearns for the five sets. That's, that's part of his... Because in the press conference afterwards... He was once again kind of bookending his week. In other words, at the beginning of his week, he was asked about the. I think I asked him actually about uh, you know his thoughts on the on the Davis Cup, and then uh, someone else asked him at the end of the week because actually it was a fair question because it was a. I would I was going to say largely successful. I think that's even that's an understatement. I think it was a, a hugely successful week for the tournament. That the 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 the, the Davis Cup is alive and kicking, um, in that the stadium was near to full or full every day there was an atmosphere that was obviously boosted by the appearances of of, of sinner but of course no, notably Djokovic but also the Finnish fans the Italian fans the British fans they all brought it and and I've said it a few times this week I said I thought Malaga and, and the Davis Cup got a bit lucky in that Spain didn't qualify but if you could choose three or four nations to actually be here to still give you some vibes Finland and Britain would be among them I think Serbia and of course with Novak Djokovic too would be would be those boxes would be ticked and you know even Australia and, and even Italy seem to I mean one of the I've said it's the loudest noise I've heard in a in a tennis environment was when some of those crucial points occurred yesterday between Sinner and Djokovic whether it would be I think the 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 Maybe it was the third break point that was, or the third match point that was saved, or there was eventual hold, whether it was the break of serve, or then of course the match point against Novak. The those three or four points, the the stadium was super loud and and just rocking. And yeah, I I, I think this tournament, but 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 Leighton was like, nah, 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 nah. It's still not home and away. It's not how I remember. I loved how Leighton was on the bench a lot of the time, looking like he was ready to pick up a racket and get out there at various times. Um, you know, he was wearing, the, you know, as they all do wear the shorts and t-shirt, but he had his sort of hands in his pockets a lot of the time as though he was sort of holding himself back and he, you know, he, anyway, go on. No, no, I just wanted to say that in um, the, Italy actually played Australia three previous times in the final and okay. all of these were won by Australia and all of these ah. were on grass. Ah, so maybe, yes, maybe also, that's he, what Leighton is, is he longing also, no, for. <laughs> he, he did mention that. He mentioned that he wanted different surfaces. And of course, he's just yeah. seen, he's just seen, of course, one of his, you know, his team basically, um, or, or basically Italy, you know, win the tie or win the tournament, you know, possibly because these conditions suit certain players of theirs. But of course, particularly Yannick Sinner, who's playing, you know, the best, tennis of his life and he's playing it during the indoor high court season so he did well, mention if this that. was on grass in australia maybe they would have had a shot right <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean demonor on grass in australia yeah yeah um but i actually think 
you know, I'm I, I, I'm sort of coming round to home and away ties all year long. And then we have this eight-team tournament. It's going to be in Malaga again next year. That was confirmed today. And I like that. I, the only thing is, is I'm a bit worried about, you know, being Spain-centric. It's, we've had the Billy Jean King Cup in Seville. That's going to be in Seville again next year. We're going to have this tournament again in Malaga again next year. I hope that everyone can can sort of be okay with that. And then somewhere in two years from now, you know, I'm also okay with it alternating, you know, one year in Malaga and one year somewhere else that's super tennis orientated and kind of fits in terms of the calendar. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess. Gotta be Europe. Europe. I mean, gotta be Europe. If, it, you if it's after it the ATP finals, if yeah. it's after the ATP finals, yeah. then we run into the same issues like the WTA finals and Beijing King yeah, Cup, right? Yeah, agree. Agree. We already so, have the Beijing King Cup as well set up, right, for next year, as you said. And we don't have the WTA finals. And I feel like no. that really limits the WTA's ability to schedule it anywhere outside of Europe or like, I don't know, Saudi Arabia, you know, it's, it's pretty yeah. close at least. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Well, may, maybe the States, if it was like New York or something, it's it's doable maybe. But yeah, yeah, I still think, I still wonder though, even New York, maybe Djokovic is going, you know what? I think my season ends in, in New York or on the East Coast yeah. of the US. Um Whereas Turin, Seville, I mean, I saw a photographer did it by train, uh, <laughs> uh, albeit that it was probably a fairly lengthy day, yeah. uh, maybe day and a half. But but um, but flight wise, it's probably only a couple of hours. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, by the way, yeah, mix it around. Maybe you have it one year Malaga, one year London. London probably could do with a nice indoor tournament, um, having obviously lost out on on the ATP Tour Finals. And I do think that, of course, they need to make it lucrative. And I think London would be an obvious choice. I'm, I, I'm I'll probably be upsetting some of our, our non-European viewers and making it Eurocentric. But as you say, you've just got to, you've got to get it close. If the ATP Tour Finals was in North America or South America or Asia or, or Africa, and I'm, I'm more than happy to have the ATP Tour Finals in those places, then sure. But... It's not, so that's where that's where we're at. Australia, uh, two years in a row now. Uh, Lane Hewitt was actually, uh, despite his you know grievances about the format and stuff, was a bit more upbeat than I expected in the press conference. Maybe he'd he'd accepted defeat uh, a few hours before. I think from the minute Popperin loses that match, it's probably like okay, and he started to think about you know obviously potentially losing the match and uh, or losing the tie. So, um, yeah, I guess he'll still be there in a year from now. He'll be desperate to lead us. I mean, I don't think, I don't think in terms of his picks, he can look back with too much regret. Of course, if they'd gone out to the checks, then you might question the Jordan Thompson pick, but there was some sense to it. And in the end, they won that anyway. And I'm not sure really in terms of his picks, he got a lot wrong there afterwards. Yeah, nothing really that he could have done there because, well, they play Finland in the semis. He plays Popperin, it works out. They went to zero. Yeah. Against against the Czechs, yeah, like I think Thompson, Popperin, Purcell, it was a similar situation as in Italy. Like mm -hmm. at first, you don't really know. Did Thompson play his best match ever against Mahach? Probably not. But if Mahach plays Popperin, I would also favor Mahach at the moment. So 
yeah, I don't really see a big difference there. I think in a way Thompson was kind of unlucky because he gets a very tough opponent at first, presumably tougher than Arnaldi and uh, well, Vitanen for sure. And you know he loses that, and then he sort of gets left out. And uh, well, he can't really say he contributed all that much. And yeah, they have an excellent doubles team, but this is a problem with this format, I guess. Well, that the doubles doesn't actually like if it comes into play yes it's super exciting but actually having that doubles team you know sometimes it's just not gonna matter whatsoever whereas in the previous one you always had the doubles maybe it didn't matter all that much because it was like one point out of potential three that you need to win what was what was how did the doubles how did you mean how did the doubles become relevant did they play as the first or the second match or third yeah but so um but it was best uh, of five Okay, right, yeah, and Sean's saying the doubles should be second, yeah, maybe. Uh, no, I, interesting, I like interesting, interesting, but then, then one of the singles doesn't get played often. Yeah, and, and then, and then that can't work no, like that. That I, for the for the crowd for the for TV, that's not going to work. So I, think, I don't, I don't think it's solvable in a best of three format. I think it's just how it is. I think it's just yeah. how it is. I mean, you have you you can have a singles and a doubles, and you're like, oh, well, that's a pity that that's two zero. I don't yeah. think it takes any way, you know, it doesn't make it just because we have the, the doubles match first or second. We don't go, oh, well, at least we got to see the doubles. Um, because, by, by the way, just imagine we had the doubles yesterday and I don't know, let's imagine Serbia. We don't get to see Sinner against Djokovic or or you have Sinner Djokovic first. or I It would know. have to be Sinner Djokovic first because no one would risk the number ones not playing. Now, right. it, it, it has to say like this in, a, in the best of three yeah, format. Me, I wasn't I, so. uh, I wasn't bringing this up as, as that point. I was just saying that, you know, they have Ebden Purcell and of course they won once against the Czechs. But like it's, it's a huge asset they a lot of the time won't be able to even use. And it was actually yeah. the same in 2022, right? They lose the final zero and two. The, yeah. the doubles team they can't even use. So in a way for Australia, that previous format maybe for this particular team of Australia would be a little better. If spots and maybes, of course, don't really matter. But let's <laughs> play, let's play the, let's play. No, I know. But let's play the game anyway. If it goes to doubles... Uh, and so let's say Popperin wins his match and, and that do Australia win the Davis Cup? They would be the favourites. Yeah, I, I, I actually still think Italy might have done it. If I I think I said before, I think I said it last night and I, I said it today as well. I said I, I know that some of the Italian journalists were like, if it's one one, we're done. Um and I was like, I don't know. Sinner was pretty impressive in the doubles last night. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch for sure, but you know, Australia would be favourites, but we've seen it countless times that top singles players can trouble the doubles guys. Here, I guess it's a little less random because you have uh, you don't have deciding points. So theoretically, the sing the doubles players should actually be winning. We didn't really get any matches like this though, like during these finals, right? We only really got what uh, did we get like a proper doubles pairing playing other than Ebden Purcell who beat Pavlacek and Lehechka? What about the not Dutch really. pairing? Who, no, I guess. I mean, not. they did. They, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't feel we, the proper doubles pairing because they got the no. big sport and he was the worst player on the court. Um, <laughs> Skapski Salisbury, they didn't play. Um, no. So basically, yeah, Ebden Purcell against the Czechs. That was the only real instance of a top doubles pairing facing against. Well, the 2022 even Wimbledon champions, so like a proper top double sparing. 
facing against uh, well one really good doubles player and one random singles so finland finland beat the czechs 2-1 right but that doubles match canada. was a straight sorry beat canada but there was that doubles match that they had was 2-0 yeah. to love two two sets to love yeah heliovara yeah. against jesus i'm forgetting now um uh not Raonic, not uh felix um Pospisil? No. Pospisil played that? Like Jesus, I can't remember now. Must have been must must have been Vasek, right? Was did he play Galard with Galardon just like in the group stage? I think so, right? What I'm thinking though is is that despite the fact it feels like there was a lot of drama this week and and, and vibes and, and, and fans and, and, and yeah, Galardon Pospisil, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uncertainty. We didn't have a single tie that went to a third set with the doubles. We probably also had probably half of the ties were done two zero, half went to yeah. to the four out of seven is still pretty good. Like we still got yeah, a lot yeah. of doubles so action, got, but but you're right, we, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, you're right. We didn't steps. get a single. Yeah, and yeah. it didn't really feel like either was particularly close as well. No, the the Italy uh, Serbia one is the one that sticks out most for me. It was like um, I, I actually also the the Australia one with the Czechs because of how that tie went. Uh, with Lehetska kind of, yeah, having his moment, let's say, um, against Dimonor, that both those doubles encounters when felt a bit like, oh, okay, Austra Australia have got this now. And it felt the same with, with Sinner beating Djokovic. It was like that hangover, perhaps, or momentum or whatever it was. And as soon as Italy broke fairly early-ish in the match, uh, and won the first set, and I think they went up a break in the second, albeit that Serbia got that back. But it was just like this is Italy's now, and and the job was done in in the last two games of the Sinajokovic match. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then like all of these doubles, I guess, weren't all that exciting. But it's still nice to get this spotlight for the for this side of the competition it's just a shame that we didn't actually get to see yeah that many like proper doubles pairings and today during the stream i don't know if you were there but i actually mentioned a comment from nicole medicar on twitter um Who? which she <laughs> uh, john you're <laughs> you disappoint me she's a like one of the best doubles players in the world uh, uh, okay. but anyway uh yeah she's a, currently a journalist. 15 in the rankings um, so yeah, clearly someone here doesn't watch too much doubles, but I can't blame you. I, do, I don't do it. I don't do that either. But um, anyway, during the Sinner um, Sonego Djokovic Ketsmanovic doubles, she tweeted out. Let me read it out very quickly. That uh, this Davis Cup doubles match is incredible. However, I will point out that you can clearly see the difference between singles and doubles specialists. The amount of missed volleys or poor, poor court positioning coverage shows how different the skill set is. Thoughts. And of course, she's very right about that. And uh, well, in that particular match, yeah, it just generally all of these doubles matches that we saw, they weren't the greatest showcase for doubles. Like if you put me into Siner Sonego Griekspor Kolhov, it didn't feel like a doubles match. It felt like a lot of random singles players. And even Kolhov, honestly, who is obviously one of the best doubles players in the world, he didn't look like a doubles specialist, a doubles expert there. I mean, he sort of just got dragged to their level, I think, and had serve <laughs> issues. And uh, yeah, in that way, it's not a great showcase for doubles. 
but at the same time, you know, there's still some exposure, I guess, for the competition. Yeah, Sean says it right as well that double specialists are so active at the net, they intercept all the time. It's uh, often called po poaching, right? And if you get someone like Talon Griekspor there, yeah, he's just going to be very quiet at the net, just stand there. And basically, if the ball is at him, yeah, that's fine. But he's not going to be like overly, you know, have the net coverage. Uh, and that's why they were also struggling on Kolhov's serve, because then, you know, the, the first volley is usually played by Talon. And mm. yeah, he's just not going to get there. He's just not going to have the, uh, like, he, he lets a, f a few balls past him as well. You know, there's some issues with the, um, yeah, to, to just uh, with the decision making and, you know, who should take the ball. Yeah, it, it definitely not the greatest showcase for doubles in that sense because we actually didn't get too much, you know, proper doubles other than Evden Persil, I guess. But that's, that's, I guess, the beauty of the format and that's how people also uh, treat doubles, you know? They think that top singles players can be better than actual doubles players. And actually, a lot of the time in an individual match, that's what we see. Okay, um, I think we can go back to the semi-finalists uh, who didn't make it. Of course, let's start maybe with Serbia and Djokovic and, you know, three match points and Serbia take one of those and probably the Davis Cup champions, right? Yeah. Djokovic um, beats Dimonor. They, they would have been the favourite. Yeah, Kets Djokovic Deminor is like is like Sinner Deminor, <laughs> yeah, more or yeah. less. So, um, although I think Alex took a set of him recently, but um, yeah, it, it probably wouldn't go that well for him in that one either. However, you've got Ketsmanovic against Popperin. You know, Ketsmanovic, yeah. given his heroics so far, probably the favorite, but still not a not a given. And, and then and, if and you can get Ketsmanovic do it first. Can Ketsmanovic do it for a third day in a third time in four days? Sometimes I just feel with him that, that he sort of runs out at, at some point. Um, but at least that's that's what what I feel. But but yeah, he he is the favourite. He is the favorite. if he plays yeah. like he has done the last two days. I mean, really, Serbia. Okay, I mean Djokovic obviously did his Cam Nori thing, but the guy who who put Serbia. In a in a in a incredible position against Britain and put them in a good position against Italy was Ketsmanovic. Yeah, Ketsmanovic does definitely deserves a lot of praise. Ketsmanovic, there. Ketsmanovic beating Draper is a bigger achievement, whichever way you look at it, than Djokovic beating Camnoi. <laughs> That's true, but <laughs> I, you know, you know, I had my issues with like calling Draper like uh, definitely he's going to beat Ketsmanovic, but no, yeah, no, I, I, I would still agree with that. It was yeah, for me it was sure. 60 40 uh for, sure. for Jack Draper and, and, and Ketsmanovic played at his peak and Jack Draper was just slightly off it. But actually I still think Jack Draper beats most people at this tournament yeah, playing the way. I think he did. I think Jack was fine. Like yeah. that was the level that he's had in the past three or four weeks. Nothing yeah. really wrong about him. Uh, Ketsmanovic, yeah, that was very reminiscent of his peak from the spring of 2022. Um, some points even in the Musetti match as well, they're just playing this zero unforced errors, but still aggressive, which obviously is a thing that he struggles with. Like, you know, he can be just very bland on the court and just stand there and hit balls, essentially. And that's not what he was doing in these two matches. So, yeah, I mean, uh, inspired performance, like the ones that, you know, we sort of expect from Davis Cup. And uh, good for him. Obviously, he did he did his job on Saturday. 
Uh, he lost the doubles with Djokovic, but yeah, I mean, that was always going to be like a bit of a, we'll see, maybe it works out for us, maybe it doesn't. They played Paris together just, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but, well, yeah, Kentmanovic, nothing to regret, I mean, 100%. No, absolutely. And um, maybe they they may even pair up again in, in Paris again in eight months from now, nine months from now for the Olympics. I don't know what what Djokovic's thoughts are on playing singles or doubles there, or well, obviously um, singles. But... He played mixed, right, at the 2020 Olympics. Did he? Yeah. He withdrew, he withdrew before the bronze oh, medal yes. match. Which... Yeah, that was that was interesting. I still have my issues with, yeah, I still have yeah, my yeah. issues with that. And especially but that, was that was before he played. Be, yeah. That was before no, no, he no, played. No, 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 no. No, no, oh, no, 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 after. Okay, so he that was after and then, he played, and then played, and then played Karenia Busta. I'm pretty sure he actually played Karenia Busta and then withdrew. Withdrew. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, basically, you know, my issues with that are, of course, related to the fact that, well, for Stoyanovic, that was the the, the, mo- the biggest moment of her career, hands down. I mean, she is current. She hasn't played actually in a in a long while, but like she she probably is never going to top. An achievement like this bronze medal but anyway that's a topic for another day uh but yeah i just don't feel like Djokovic, you know given the fact that he really wants to focus on the singles gold i don't feel like he's gonna play doubles yeah um the um yeah that's an interesting thing regarding the the olympics i was just trying to remember that that period but yeah that does seem to be a bit unusual and i guess they just oh i tell you what i was going to say Here's a rule change that, you know, doesn't have to be introduced because I don't think it's been something that's appeared this week uh, and it's been an issue. But I think if your player ends up getting hurt or injured, let's say in a, in a singles encounter, which would just then destroy the the situation, like that six-all match you were talking about, mm-hmm. in, uh, I think you should be allowed to just call on another player. During that's, the that's, match? Yeah, if, he, if he's injured, maybe. Uh, but but then you know someone can be really tired, exhausted. Yes, literally. I know. And I someone know. comes in. No, I mean that's never going to happen. So purely because of that reason, like it just wouldn't be fair to the player who's going down. And also that would also lead to some massive tactical, um, like injury fakeouts. You know, because yeah. people would literally uh, like they come onto the court and they're like, okay, I'm not. My game is not clicking today. I'm gonna say I'm injured, yeah. and then yeah. my or the other guy from my team comes in. Or, for example, they uh, get onto the court against someone they've never played against, and they see that oh my goodness, this guy is just gonna kill me with these slices or whatever. And they're like, oh, but I know this guy on my team actually <laughs> does well against. Yeah, like and this. then you're like, so, yeah. oh, oh, I'm hurting. You know, yeah, no, I know. There are actually uh, multiple anyway. issues with this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, Finland, um, arguably the story of the Davis Cup, um, certainly if you ignore Sinner and, and Italy. Um, tell us about their journey and, and their peaks uh, during this, particularly the finals here in, uh, in Malaga. Yeah, the fact that they were able to get to the semis without Rusuvuori is pretty crazy. <laughs> because, yeah, with all due respect to Patrick Kaukovalta, you know, I've watched him a few times. I, I definitely have enjoyed his game. But yeah, he, he did stand out from the Davis Cup finals crowd for sure. And I think mm. whoever they were playing, if they kept going Kaukovalta, yeah, they wouldn't really have done it. But the heroes, you know, you've got Otto Virtanen, 
who actually lost uh, his match in the um, indoor February first round uh, as the only Finnish player. He was the only Finnish player to lose when they played Argentina. But then in the group stage, he was insane, of course, going 3-0, and zero, I think. And then also here he beats Diallo. Maybe not the like the strongest match in terms of like star quality, right? But I think both Vida and Diallo will be top 100 players in the future. Um, definitely quite an enjoyable indoor match as well, since they both excel in such conditions. And uh, yeah, as a whole, he probably is the is the guy who they were sort of trusting, you know, to to defeat Alexei Popperin. He just didn't really deliver in the important moments. But again, I mean, that's fine. Vitan has had a nightmare season since like April, more or less, besides the Davis Cup. So he still actually brought the best out of himself. And uh, yeah, then they actually had Rusevori, but of course he was like, mm, let's say barely fit. And yeah. he lost to Alex Deminor as well. So uh, without Rusevori, they never really had a chance to do more. Unless again Virtanen would defeat Popperin and then Heriovara Virtanen or Heriovara Niklas Salminen would also beat the doubles team of Australia, which wouldn't have been that likely. Uh, but certainly Heriovara and Virtanen, you know, they, they were the, the heroes on uh, Tuesday. And uh, it was a bit of a wild way to start the Davis Cup as well, right? Because you get Kaukovalta Raonic and Virtanen Diallo. And like, how are, you know, senior Djokovic fans supposed to be excited about that? <laughs> but actually, I think the Cinderella story in it uh, was, yeah, it actually grasped the attention of, of people. And especially when they won the doubles, which, of course, we're now seeing on the screen. Uh, yeah. And, and Virtanen, so... Uh, cool story, but there was no potential to go further without a healthy Rusevori. Yeah, yep, and I, and I I wonder if he was undermined a little bit by that uh, in his match with with Demonor. But then I think, uh, unfortunately for Demonor, we'll probably remember more his match with Sinner than anything else. But before today, Demonor was sensational. I mean, the way he turned around the Lehetska match, the way he was so efficient in attack and defence uh, as a sing as a singles player, I thought this week was was just somebody now that until Demonor plays the absolute elite, and that is obviously right now Djokovic and Sinner, and I still think we'd have to include Alcaraz and De uh, and Medvedev in that conversation um, until he comes up against those four. And I think even Medvedev has got a decent head-to-head -head with it. Am yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Medvedev generally struggles with all of these like flatter-hitting guys. Yeah. yeah. So you're probably looking at maybe even the absolute elite. Dimonor is going into matches, whether it be against Tsitsipas or Luna or, you know, or, or, or Fritz or, or, or Tiafo, And he's in that group, her catch, that, uh, that can all beat each other <laughs> on any given day. Um, and and Dimonor is, is comfortably... In, That's in that a very group. wide group, in my opinion. Like it is, uh, that, it is. It starts from Tsitsipas and Rune, like Mega yeah. Talents, and then it kind of yeah. goes down to players who indeed are like the same level as Alex Deminor. Yeah, yeah, like Hatchinov uh, maybe is the sort of absolute end of that group right now. Yeah, I mean Alex Deminor as a player who like is supposed to progress from here. I don't know if this is happening. But, of course, he's had a very good year. He was, for a very long while, he was in touring contention. He kind of brought it on himself as well in a few on a few occasions that he actually wasn't there in the end. But, yeah, uh, I mean, what destroys him is the, the matchups against the very best. 
we'll see uh, whether he is able to continue to push onwards. I actually am not as keen on his run as you are, it seems. Like the, the one against Lohechka, you can kind of look at it both ways, but again, I don't think he showed anything spectacular to, to get it. I think it, it might also. I might also be biased because I might have seen the moments. You know, I might have seen the sets when he's winning. Like I might have caught that Lehetska match as he turned it around, and then I'm 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 dialed in if you like. And then I I watch his his comfortable win if you like in the in the semis. Um, and and then although I watch today, I sort of park that to one side. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's look at the other four. Nations that didn't make it beyond the quarterfinals. Uh, Britain, uh, definitely a disappointment. I mean, there was heroics in Manchester. I actually don't think the injuries to Murray and Dan Evans probably made much of a difference because you still need Jack Draper to beat Ketsmanovic. Um, Not really, because you might play Norrie Evans. You might do, but and I you, don't think Norrie's do. beating Kets. Norrie's not beating Kets No, but Norrie would have been number one anyway. Oh, right. Okay. So Evans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. But and that might I... change something up, but you know, it's not a major difference. I just, yeah. I guess, you know, what we were talking about, even probably at the uh, stream about the preview of Davis Cup, there's a lot of pressure on Jack Draper there. And it's not like yeah. he's 10 times better than Ketsmanovic, Lajovic, and Jair. He might be in a year. I mean, if yeah. we are here in a year and Jack Draper has a full season and we are sort of revisiting this and we are then putting him against Ketsmanovic, Lajovic, Jere. Maybe it will turn out that actually we will think that, okay, this is he's, very he's a very winnable. Lock, yeah. he, he's got to do it. Yeah. Uh, but not. it's not a lock right now. And um, no. yeah, it's a shame, I guess, that they didn't like Australia, sort of. They didn't get to show off with their huge asset of Skavsky and Salisbury. But yeah. Again, that's the real, real sort of how this format works. I mean, you have to get to the doubles to show that power. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are the other quarterfinals? I guess the Czechs will be uh, particularly disappointed with 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 the way that panned out, with how close the Hetzka was, obviously, to to booking their place in the in the semis. And and I was actually thinking with the Czechs, I was thinking about the Billie Jean King Cup and this and the team events that. I think that they are quite keen to excel in um, because particularly on the women's side, the, the depth that they have, but um, it'll end up being a, a pretty disappointing, you know, year between the two tournaments because I'm sure that they would have expected or hoped to have done a lot more than they did um, across those two. Um, any thoughts on, on that? Were there, is there some scar tissue with Lahetska, for example? <laughs> I mean, that's the year he's had, I guess. You know, he's just very inconsistent still. Um, he lost a few like this, but it's not Andy like he Murray, cannot be. That, that's the one I had in mind as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not like he cannot beat anyone on his day. He can. I actually think Mahaj was like very similar to him in strength with the form that he caught in like September. And as a whole, um, the WTA side, of course, yeah, they have a lot of depth, but actually on the ATP side for a while, there was like, I don't say no one, but after Berdick, they didn't really have a follow-up. You know, Vesely, of course, m major issues throughout his career. Russell is basically done. Oh, thank you, Jane, for the, for the $10. And um, basically what I'm trying to say is that on the ATP side, I think this is still a great result for them. Uh, I think they weren't expecting to get out of groups. Definitely not. 
they had a um, uh, for example like Menchik Pavlashek stepping up there and that whole four team group they did very well of course Menchik didn't play here uh, but still Hechka almost beats Alex Deminor up to a certain point plays a very good match and I think it's a it's a shame for them because they were like one game away from the from the final because they surely beat Finland yeah I mean yeah I don't really see how they do they don't especially with Emil being in such weird state so um yeah especially Mahaj I feel like um I wish we saw him more because I think out of all the number two players he was um you know could have been an absolute world beater here especially as yeah Lachechka Mahaj it's super close at the moment. I'm honestly not sure who like playing strength, who is actually the number one. So um, yeah, this could have been a big asset for the Czechs. And of course it was because he did defeat uh, Thompson. It's just they couldn't clinch any of the next two. I was hoping for Lahechka and uh, Pavlashek in the doubles as well to maybe push Evden Purcell at least a little bit. But yeah, I, I have to admit that they were like playing on the back foot throughout mm. the match really. Mm. And um yeah, it, it did show that, well, Lahechka, of course, is like randomly there really in doubles. And Pavlashek, well, he has improved a lot and will be a main tour player, I think, for years. Um, you know, he, he kind of started playing doubles like 18 months ago, maybe, as a full-time thing. And he's already like 60 or something in the world. But um, still, he is not quite at the Abden Purcell level. And I think both these things showed. And, I think... Um, I think it wouldn't have made any difference anyway, really. But I felt glum for the Czechs going into the doubles match um, uh, against Australia. But maybe that was just me. It was like, okay, that's the opportunity gone. And then, it, you know, it sort of carried over. Maybe just a, a little bit like I felt for the Serbians against Italy. Um, but um, But it was probably just the case of... You know, you're playing against a, a very capable doubles pairing with Australia. Um, and by oh, the way, just to cool. prove that I'm not just talking out of my ass when I'm when I'm mentioning Mahaj and Lehechka. So, um, I, you know, I, I know they aren't perfect, but I'm just I just looked at the ELO rankings and Mahaj is 37th, Lehechka is 41st. Who did Italy beat in the quarterfinals? I'm trying to think now. Should, Italy beats the Netherlands. Ah, uh, yeah, and I think the Netherlands was was a shout from you amongst seven yeah. possible winners. Um, with with Finland eight, I, I guess they were the outsiders, but of course they beat Canada. So, but they were sort of a there's, there was no dark horse. You can't have a dark horse in a group of uh, a stunning, you know, arrival with Finland and seven possible winners. There's no dark horse, but. They were sort of a team that you sort of fancied. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, they did deliver on the promise, sort of. But part of why I did was the doubles, which was supposed to be their strength, and it wasn't. I mean, I already said that on the stream that we do with Carlos. That um, well, I hear that they were actually afraid of putting in both Kolhov and Roger because of the deuce side. You know, the fact that they both play on the deuce side, but. I mean, is it that tough to switch, especially given they already played for half a year in 2021 together? Like, they, they played regular tour events for half a year. Also, you have Matt Famidelkop in the background. You know, he can also step in. He's still, like, top 50 in the doubles. He could easily play with Kolhov or with Roger if that works out better. 
I just feel like Kolhov Griekspor, uh, yeah, it, it was an idea that definitely didn't pan out. And it did take a lot out of the Netherlands, you know, the, the, the power of their team. Because doubles was supposed to be like the main asset, along with the fact that Botic is in much better form and Griekspor, I mean, he can beat pretty much anyone indoors. But um, yeah, doubles was supposed to be like the cherry on top, and it definitely wasn't. And again, I cannot cannot even blame Talon Griekspor for it, for how he looked in the doubles, because yeah, it's just not his thing. I mean, he he played just as well as a singles player thrown onto the doubles court can. And yeah, with the weaker serve of Kolhov, he just wasn't able to cover for it at the net. And, you know, it kind of works both ways. Of course, he had a tougher time as well because Kolhov wasn't serving that well. So yeah, the doubles eventually actually ended up leading to their demise. Because if you told me before the event that it's going into the doubles, Italy, Netherlands, advantage Netherlands. But yeah, they, they didn't end up fielding the doubles specialist team that I was hoping for, regardless if it was going to be Kolhov, Roger, on Middle Cop and etc. But no. We talk about records and runs, and of course, you know, Djokovic's various runs and records in the last week or two have come to an end, whether it be his winning run that was obviously stopped by Yannick, and then there was another run, and I think in terms of winning singles matches at... Um, Davis Cups and and not having lost a match, having, you know, had match points and so on and so forth. But of course, we now have a new run that we need to recognize, which is Botic hasn't lost a match since he appeared on Talking Tennis. So that is good. And I'm sure Botic won't want to come on Talking Tennis again until he loses. Um, so that might be another couple of months away if he wins the Australian Open. Well, it'd still be at least a couple of weeks, right? I, I think last year he played the Dutch National Championship and he okay. played Talon Griekspor in the final, but I can't remember who won. Uh, but it was like middle of December. So okay. uh, at least until that, you know, maybe... Does it, count for head, does it count for head-to-head? -head? In terms of what? In terms of like the ATP webpage, does it count for head-to-head? -head no, 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 no. Yeah, there we go not. then. So even if he loses that, then it doesn't really count. Uh, and if he does no, win, it, it, we'll add it. You know, national championships are not, yeah, national championships are not counted by the ATP in any way, and of course they're not hosted by the ATP, so that's that's right. kind of obvious. But yeah, yeah. I, I also don't count them really towards the head-to-head. -to -head, but it was nice to mention that because they uh, played then a month later at the Australian Open, so you know, at the time and it did... was of course a pretty big story. And uh, the result of the Australian Open was different to the Netherlands Championship. If I remembered that, I, I would know which the okay. uh, you know what the result was at the national championship because I know what the result was at the Australian Open, and Talon like raced through the match six four six four six four, but I think it might have been Botic actually at the Dutch national championship. Not that it really matters, but they also have one of the best national championships in the world, I guess. Bodig went to last year. Let me quick tell you very quickly. Yes, indeed, he did beat Talon Griekspor in the final of the Dutch national championships last year. 18th oh, of I... December. So if they play again this year, then you probably have like 20 days of that streak left. 
Well, you uh, have, uh, unless he wins the title, of course. You may have seen me curiously looking left and right, wondering where I am. Well, I know exactly where I am. I was just wondering if I had a, a battery charger nearby, but I, I don't, or at least a plug anyway, nearby, but I don't see one immediately. Um, and that means I have about seven minutes of, of battery left, but I think it's enough because I just want to finish this stream. There was, there a, was there a quarterfinals who lost to, we didn't mention, we mentioned Britain, we mentioned the Czechs, we mentioned the Netherlands. Oh, oh I Canada. think we, oh, Canada. Canada, yeah. Yeah, we haven't. I mean, Canada. just, just, yeah, Felix and that was it really, I guess. And uh, Diallo surprise defeat, I guess, uh, or, or disappointing loss. Um, maybe not surprised, but yeah, yeah, quite coin flip, but yeah, uh, I mean, Canada obviously, if they had Raonic playing well, which I still don't know if he was because Kakovata just wasn't at right, level. yeah, and I have I no think, idea. I think Raonic lost three points on serve. Oh, I didn't even know in the whole but match, like, yeah, I the think. physical shape of, uh, of Raonic, I still don't know what it was, but if it was okay, then he could have been like the major ace for Canada, right. I mean, yeah. imagine having at number two Milos Frigin Raonic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, we don't even know if he was in good shape or not. I anyway, yeah, absolutely no clue. Canada weren't able to repeat the heroics of a year ago, um, uh, and they weren't able to repeat the heroics, heroics of two weeks ago with the Billie Jean King Cup team. But I, let's finish uh, before my battery dies with um, Billie Jean King Cup. Uh, sorry, Billie Jean King Cup. Davis Cup is back, right? Yeah, um, I think this was by far the best addition in the new format. I don't actually understand what happened and what's different. Like, why did all of these I, fans come I to? Can, I can tell you a couple of things. One was that a year ago we had the the World Cup had started, so I remember I barely remember Canada winning the Davis Cup a year ago, um, but the the world the, the football World Cup was on and. You know, I think everyone's minds. I remember that the ATP Tour Finals, basically the, the last match was on the same day as the first match of the, the Football World Cup. But I think the Football World Cup match finished at a certain time. And I think they even moved some of the matches in Turin, the start time, to go in or to avoid the the Soccer World Cup and, and so on and so forth. So I think that was part of it. And then we just had a couple of nations this year in the finals, such as Britain and, and Finland and, and Djokovic and Sinner and, Boom! You've got a you've got a, a completely different situation going on. I don't know. I mean, we've had Nadal playing this event, right? In the twenty nineteen, and that was yeah. probably the last year it was. No, I actually still. I, I guess John's internet has gone out, but I actually still think it two thousand nineteen. It was also a lot more tame in terms of the atmosphere, so. Yeah, but the the World Cup is an interesting call. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Listen, my battery's about to die, so I'm going to um, bring this show to a close. Uh, thanks, Damien, and everyone else for joining in. Uh, I wonder if uh, that battery there... Oh, okay, just, just give me two seconds, Damien. Are you still there? Yeah. I, I think I found a solution. Um, yeah, so um, basically what I was talking about earlier is that this was probably the best edition in terms of fun engagement atmosphere and and the likes so that's amazing and um yeah john kind of gave you a few ideas as to why this happened why this event was so much more popular seemingly than the previous ones and i think they were fine um 
you know, they will find sort of solutions to this conundrum, let's say. And um, hopefully it's going to remain like this, even in a year with no Djokovic, with no Sinner. Because um, this year was, you know, it, it felt like a spe- it's going to be especially a problem this year because Spain, the hosts, didn't qualify. So how do you get people to come in and watch? But yeah, I mean, in the past, of course, some players like in Stan Wawrinka, right, right, complained about the fact that there's no atmosphere at New Davis Cup, about the fact that they they even like were paying people to come and root for a certain country that there were instances like this. Yeah. And it was a big fat mess. And this time there was no reason to do that because yeah, everyone was, um, everyone was actually there and cheering and rooting and yeah, it was the best edition of the new format. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, basically I think I was just about to bring the show to a close before my actual battery did indeed die. But, um, yeah, I just think that, 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 that combination, of the nations that were here uh and the fact that let's say the soccer world cup i think did overshadow i think a lot of things this time last year and yeah and finland as as, as jane highlights in the chat there and, and and i think britain have to pay their part even if even if Novak Djokovic was annoyed with a, a small section of the, of, of the british fans um on on thursday i think they they played their part too and um i saw one or two british fans tweeting and sending messages and saying things like oh we're so ashamed of that you know the the, the dramas and stuff and i'm like listen you nobody nobody holds that nobody says that that five people banging drums are representative of five thousand people and if they do then they're equally uh silly so um they also did their their part and uh yeah that's it really i think um Unless you've got any final thoughts on, on anything we've discussed, Damien? Poland for Davis Cup Finals 2025. Oh, to host or to No, to, win to play. To play. Okay, to get to the finals. 2024, we can't even play the finals because we're too far back in the system. But I uh, think we can play it. In, no, actually, I'm not even sure we can get to that in 2025. We might, we might have to wait until 2026. I knew there was a reason why I wanted to return to the stream and, and do something. One was obviously to hear your bold Polish prediction, but the other one was because I'm going to play us out with the Italian section, or sorry, the English-speaking section of the Italy uh, winning press conference. So um, you and I, uh, Damien, are going to just disappear, basically, and um, we'll see each other very soon, or, or we'll see you very soon. I think we're going to do a, a stream tomorrow at some point, um, I hope, for the next-gen finals. And I'm not sure if it will be me or Anastasia, but one of us will be um, firing questions your way as we uh, look towards that tournament. And then we'll have about a month of doing stuff, but not much to do with exactly tennis matches, of course, because there won't be a lot going on apart from exhibitions. And then it'll be end of December, United Cup and... And uh, the Australian Open. But there'll be about a month of next gen, of course, for the next few days. But um, but we'll do a show tomorrow uh, looking ahead to that. And then we'll also do a few other shows looking back on the year on both the ATP and WTA tours. But Damien and I are going to disappear into the background and we'll, um, we'll let the Italians um, see us out. So um, I'll speak to you soon, Damien. Cheers.
play. think he was really important for me for for my uh, how how I also grow as a player because I feel like he gave me a lot of confidence in one way um, obviously he gave some something new to the team um, mostly I think the combination with him and, and with Simone and with all the team is really really nice and I think this is one of my key. Uh, I think every team has its own uh, kind of stability. I have mine, and I think we we have worked really, really well. Um, obviously, I I love to play indoors. The last tournaments of the year usually are always indoors, and this helped me. You know, and um, I think I I felt quite good today. Uh, not only today, but in the last in the, in the last month and. And this is uh, a really important um, win for for me, and I think for for the whole team and and, and Italy together. You know, um, we felt the pressure. We had a lot of responsibility, but still we we managed. We we stand up for it. We were excited, and obviously everyone is really happy about the end result. Hi, Anik. Uh, well done. We've seen other players in the past. Especially Novak in, in 2010, to say that managing to win this title with their country kind of really pushed them forward in their career and, and helped them achieve other big goals. Do you feel like this could do that for you next year and in the years to come? Let's see. I mean, this is um, this is something different, something really special um, because you don't play for for yourself, but you play for the whole team. Um, 
I think every one of us, we were really excited to be part of this. Um, I have to thank all the, all the team to, to come through in, uh, in Bologna, uh, where I was, not be, I was not able to play there. Um, they had some very tough and difficult time there. Um, they st uh, stand up for, for this and um, I came here with confidence you know, and throughout the whole, the whole month I played, um, coming from Turin. Uh, I gave my I gave 100 percent all all what I had, and I think the whole team they pushed everyone of each other, and, and this is maybe our key why why we are standing here with with this trophy. Yannick, um, this competition has had ten different winners in the last ten years. You've got such a young team here and lots of other young Italian players. I'm just wondering how much of a motivation is it for you to keep coming back and keep winning this competition and maybe trying to dominate? Uh, we, have, we know that we have a lot of potential in, in each of our, our players. Um, also, uh, the captain is, is, and everyone, I think it's... We are all really young, um, except where is... Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> he, he has played this for 15 years, so he gave us a lot of um, experience uh, in one way and, and I think the player who is playing the match sees this kind of thing. Um, also Matteo who came, you know, for us was really important and, and let's see, we're all really young, we are very hungry to trying to win to win it one more time for, for, for our life, but in another way, you know, having this feeling at least once, it is a really special feeling. Question for Matteo, congratulations. I just wonder if you could tell us how nervous you felt, how much pressure was on you in that first match, given that you've not played very much Davis Cup and you're very, very young and there's so much at stake. There was a lot there was there was a lot of pressure for sure. Uh, for me, it was the first time I played the Davis Cup, the first time uh, to win the team. So uh, I cannot explain what I'm feeling right now. And uh, uh, when I when I got in in the court, uh, I was I was nervous like always. But I think after I won the first set, uh, more pressure came up, and uh, I think you could see it. <laughs> I didn't play my best tennis, but I think. Uh, the results are what matters, and uh, at the end, uh, I played well in the important moments, and I think uh, uh, it was important for, for us, for the team, to win the match, to, to win my match, so I'm really happy, and uh, I hope I have a good team. Any other questions in English? No more questions in English, so we will change into Italian. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.